We open the Holy Scriptures to Numbers chapter 11. We will also read the history of Pentecost Sunday in Acts 2, but we'll save that for later in the sermon where we will look at that passage. So, right now we'll just read the first of our scripture readings, Numbers 11. Let us hear the word of God beginning at Numbers 11, verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of delium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. Out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and the officers and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there. And I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. 
For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people among whom I am are six hundred thousand footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. And they that were of them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Enviest thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses gat him into the camp, he and the elders of Israel. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea. And let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp. And as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hateva, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibroth Hateva unto Hazeroth, and abode at Hazeroth. Thus far, we read the Holy Scriptures. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Beloved in the Lord, at first glance, this chapter of the Bible may seem a bit peculiar. Peculiar in that we are reading it and looking at it this Sunday in which we commemorate 
Pentecost. Numbers chapter 11, we go backwards centuries in time, far back from the glorious event of Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2. We go back to some of the history of God's church in her infancy. Numbers 11 records some of the history of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Specifically, this text took place during the 40 years of wilderness wanderings after God had led the children of Israel out of Egypt to the border of Canaan. And you recall that upon reaching the border of Canaan, the 12 spies were dispatched. Ten of them brought back that evil report which the people believed. Joshua and Caleb being the only two faithful spies. And as chastisement for that rebellion at the border of Canaan, God sent the people of Israel back into the wilderness. Where the complaining and rebellious generation would die. And then their children would be brought back to inherit the land of Canaan. Numbers 11 records an event that took place during that 40 years of wilderness wanderings. And we see here in Numbers 11 how hard-hearted and stiff-necked the people of Israel still were. There was a pattern of ingratitude and complaining earthly-mindedness, rebelliousness that still prevailed in their midst as we see them here again complaining about the food that they had been given to eat. Yet, couched in this history of the children of Israel in the wilderness, all the way back then, in the days of the church's spiritual infancy, We have a beautiful word of God that speaks to the wonder that is Pentecost. The outpouring of His Spirit. Couched in this text, there is that wonderful event of God taking His Spirit that He had placed upon Moses and putting His Spirit upon 70 others to help Moses. And that event, in God's providence, drew from Moses' heart and mouth the beautiful, spontaneous, spirit-prompted prayer that we read in verse 29, which is really going to be the focus of our sermon this morning. Would, that means, if only, This is my desire. This is what I want. I wish. This is what I pray. Moses says, Would that, or would God, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? We have here, all the way back in Numbers 11, is an ancient prayer for Pentecost. The answer to that prayer is what we commemorate this Sunday morning. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the New Testament church in Acts 2. An ancient prayer for Pentecost. So let's study this history this morning. 
that we may learn more about the wonder of Pentecost, of which we benefit daily as New Testament Christians, as those who have been given the Spirit of the living Christ. So we take as our theme this morning an ancient prayer for Pentecost. We're first going to look at the occasion that led to the offering of this prayer. Not so much the offering, but the spontaneous outburst of this prayer from the heart of Moses, the servant of God. After looking at the occasion, we'll look at the petition itself, what it was, what it was for. And then finally, we will look at the fulfillment of this ancient prayer, namely the event of Pentecost itself. And that's when we'll turn to our second scripture reading, Acts chapter 2, and look at how the events in Acts chapter 2 fulfill what is foreshadowed here in Numbers chapter 11. So we begin this morning with the situation that we find in this chapter of the church's history in Numbers chapter 11. The text brings us to the camp of the Israelites in the waste howling wilderness and sets before us the people and sets before us Moses. And as we look at Moses here in the text, we find that Moses is weary into the point of despair. Weary, after a long time in the wilderness, leading this great multitude of people who numbered nearly two million, God's chosen people, the Israelites, who by God's direction he had led out of the land of Egypt to the border of Canaan, and now back into the wilderness, weary, weary from shepherding a flock far larger than his father-in-law Jethro's flock. A flock far more precious, but also a flock that could be so very difficult to shepherd. And we see something of that recurring difficulty for Moses in the behavior of the people here in Numbers chapter 11. We're told in this chapter that the mixed multitude, verse 4 speaks of them, the mixed multitude fell a-lusting. And that mixed multitude was a group of people among the children of Israel who were of Egyptian descent. Some of them were likely Egyptians that for some reason came with the children of Israel. Others were perhaps half-Egyptians who had married into Israelite families. And this mixed multitude was a continual thorn in the side of the children of Israel. Throughout the history of the Israelites' passage through the wilderness, we find that this mixed multitude was a continual source of trouble. And here again, they stir up trouble, complaining. We read of that in verses 4 through 6. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our soul is dried away. How often this happened. Not trusting in God, the Israelites complained and murmured against their God and against Moses, his servant, when they felt the pressure of the wilderness. They murmured and complained when they lacked water, when they lacked food. But now, more seriously, our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all 
beside this manna, they say. You see, at this time, the complaint was not so much about the absence of food or fear that they wouldn't have water for their families and for their flocks to drink. They had bread. But they were tired of the bread that God was giving them. The miraculous gift of the manna from heaven. Their taste buds had started to find angel's food to be too bland for them. They were sick of manna every day of the week. And not satisfied with God's good, generous, and gracious provision for them. They begin to complain. They want meat. They want better food. And their minds go back. To Egypt. Forgetting. That they had been slaves there. That no longer looms large in their minds. But. They remember the food that they enjoyed there in Egypt. The fish. The leeks. And all it seemed like luxury. Now that they look back upon Egypt. From their position now in the wilderness. And there is the great offense to God. Putting aside the wondrous acts of deliverance he had done for them to deliver them from the house of bondage. They lust for the food that they had in Egypt. How this displeased Moses as well. What a burden this appalling ingratitude was upon Moses as well. And so Moses cries out in verse 11. He speaks to the Lord of his affliction. And the great burden of this people. In verse 14 he says, I'm not able to bear this any longer. I can't bear the burden of this people all alone. And we see Moses coming to the point of despair. He doesn't know what to do anymore. So much so that in verse 15 he says, Lord, if you will have favor upon me, simply take my life. I'm done. I'm done. In this passage, you catch a glimpse, there's so many glimpses, wonderful glimpses throughout the history of Israel, glimpses of God's mercy and His patience, even as He will sorely chasten the people of Israel, and even with a plague, slay those who fell a-lusting. Still God is patient. And rather than destroy the Israelites, Or give Moses what he wanted in that moment and take his life. God provides help. Help for Moses, his servant. And that's especially what we're going to focus on. Because in the help that God provides Moses in this pressing hour of need in the wilderness. We see a foreshadowing Of what God is going to do for his people in the coming ages. We are given a foreshadowing of the wonder of Pentecost. In which God would give his spirit to his church. To help his church. To equip his church. To strengthen his church. To preserve his church. To sanctify his church. To empower his church. To go into the world and to be his witnesses. We have a foreshadowing of Pentecost. And that comes out now in the instructions that God gives to Moses. The help that God provides Moses to empower him and enable him to keep going as the appointed leader and mediator of the children of Israel. God will provide ordained assistance to help Moses. 
to help him lead, to help him teach, to help him rule. Elders of the people who would be equipped with the Spirit. We read of these instructions that God gives to Moses now in verses 16 and 17 of Numbers 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel. And so what that tells us is that Moses was to go and find seventy choice men among the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people. And the idea there is who you know to be good elders. Search out and find seventy men who manifest ability, godliness, wisdom, a certain capability that is God-given for leading and wisely instructing the people. And officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And then God says this in verse 17, And I will come down and talk with thee, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. Moses then does precisely what God instructs him to do. We read of that now in verse 24. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And then as verse 25 explains, exactly what God said he would do, he did. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto them and took of the spirit that was upon him, that is upon Moses, and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Now there is much that is very fascinating here for us to see. The spirit that was upon Moses. What is that? Our King James Version, you'll notice, writes spirit in these verses with a lowercase s. But really, we should capitalize that s. The spirit that was upon Moses was not simply the influence of divine power. Nor was it Moses' own spirit equipped by the power of God. But the text is referring to the Holy Spirit himself. The third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit. Who moved upon the face of the waters at creation. The Holy Spirit. Who is the one who brings the Word of God and applies the Word of God to the hearts of God's people. The Holy Spirit, God, had placed upon Moses. When God called Moses to the office that he now occupied as the leader of the people of Israel, as the mediator, in that he was a picture, a type of Christ, the mediator of the covenant. God had placed His Spirit upon Moses. And that Holy Spirit 
equipped, qualified, empowered Moses, gave him the strength, gave him the wisdom, gave him what he needed to lead the people of Israel from Egypt through the wilderness. All of the things that we observe Moses doing, all of the teaching, all of the words, all of his patience with the people, and all of the rest has its origin with the work of the Holy Spirit that God had placed upon him. And so the Spirit of which the text speaks is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit. Who came to rest upon Moses. But now. Here in the text. God takes. This same spirit. The Holy Spirit. Whom he had placed upon Moses. And he gives his spirit. To those 70 elders. That Moses had gathered around the tabernacle. Remember in the wilderness. The tabernacle was a tent. And around the tent. There was a courtyard, and inside the tent there was the holy place, and the most holy place in which sat the Ark of the Covenant. So the way to envision this in your mind is these 70 elders are standing around the tent, around the tabernacle, they're in the outer court, all around the tabernacle. And God comes down and visibly manifests His presence as He often did in the wilderness, as a cloud, and the cloud of His glory filled the tabernacle, Filled the tabernacle, indicating his special presence there and his glory. And he spoke to Moses and he spoke to the 70. And as he did so, God took his spirit and placed it upon those 70 elders. The same spirit. To qualify, to equip, to empower them. To work alongside Moses to help bear the burden of leadership in caring for God's people. So that these men could also teach, bring the word to the Israelites. Perform the role of judges, deciding disputes that arose among the people. Under shepherds, alongside the under-shepherd Moses. Another interesting thing that the text tells us is that the Spirit rested upon them. That's verse 25. And the idea of that word rested is that God caused His Spirit to take its settled abode upon these 70 elders. The Spirit did not come upon them momentarily, but took His fixed abode upon them. That is, abode there, stayed there in order to equip them for their work going forward. It was a continuous gift of the Spirit. With the result, verse 25 says, they prophesied and did not cease. We know what prophecy is because we recently studied it in Lord's Day 12 of the Catechism. Remember that the biblical idea of prophecy is not first of all telling the future, but the biblical idea of prophecy is forth-telling. 
Not foretelling, but forthtelling. Now sometimes God gave his prophets a vision of the future and a word about the future to bring. But the essence of prophecy is receiving the word of God and then bringing that word of God to the people for their edification and upbuilding in faith. And that's the kind of prophecy that took place here. As God put the Spirit upon these 70 elders, the Spirit empowered them to bring the word to the children of Israel. And that's what they needed at this time. As they were giving themselves over to sinful lusts and complaining and rebellion against God. They needed the word. They needed the word so very badly. And God equipped these men to bring that word alongside of Moses. That's prophecy. Receiving the word of God. And with an illuminated understanding. Being able to bring that word. Explain it and apply it. The Hebrew word for prophecy in verse 25 is a very interesting word. It means literally to bubble up and boil over. The idea is that when the Spirit comes upon upon a man, that man cannot but speak the word. An illustration that may be helpful to you children here. Prophecy, here in the Bible passage, is like boiling over. Think of a pot full of water. Perhaps your mom is making dinner, going to boil some noodles, and that pot is put on the stove and the heat is turned up so that it can quickly come to a boil. What happens if that pot is left there, unattended on the stove? The water is going to bubble up and boil over the side of the pot, and you can't stop it from happening. Well, that's what happened here. The Spirit came upon these men and put the Word of God in them and they could not but bring that Word, speak it, prophesy. And that without ceasing, the text says. A continuing gift of the Spirit so that these men could aid Moses for the remainder of their journey through the wilderness, teaching and helping lead the people bearing that burden with him. Now at this point, there are a few important truths that come to the foreground in the text. First, is we see something of the deity of the Holy Spirit here. Even here in the very beginning of the Bible, where the revelation of the doctrine of the Trinity is not as full and clear as it is later in the New Testament, here we see it. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that is upon Moses, God places upon these 70 elders, and yet the Spirit is not divided. The placement of the Spirit upon the 70 does not in any way diminish the Spirit or the power of the Spirit upon Moses, but we have a Spirit who is everywhere present. A Spirit who is almighty, such that He is able to cause all 70 of these elders to prophesy and to bring the Word of God to the people. We see something here of the deity of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we see here in the text the different way that the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament compared to in the New Testament after Pentecost. As we'll see later in the sermon, the wonder of Pentecost was the pouring out of the Spirit so that the Spirit filled God's people. In the Old Testament, 
the Spirit still worked. The Spirit was not absent. The Spirit still applied the blessings of salvation to God's Old Testament saints. The Spirit worked in the heart to regenerate, to give new life. The Spirit worked in the heart so that the people would understand the Word of God that they heard. The Spirit was the author of holiness, sanctified. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit did not dwell in the hearts of God's people the way He does now in the New Testament. He came upon. And often He came upon only for a period of time to equip a person for a certain task. Whereas in the New Testament, He dwells in us. Well, that's the occasion. And this occasion leads to a petition. This extraordinary manifestation of the Spirit, as God places the Spirit upon the 70 elders of Israel, empowering them to prophesy and to bring the word and to teach the people and to assist and aid Moses in bearing the burden of leadership. That manifestation of the Spirit draws forth from Moses a spontaneous and longing prayer. A prayer that is Spirit-prompted and also prophetic. Now, in the sense of looking ahead, prophetic of Pentecost to come. Moses makes this prayer when it is reported to him by a young man who comes to him from the camp of Israel that there is something very strange going on back in the camp. Two men, one by the name of Eldad, the other by the name of Medad, are engaged in the most unusual of activities. They are going through the camp prophesying. Verses 26 and 27 of Numbers 11. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written. What that phrase means is that Eldad and Medad were two of the 70 men that that Moses had written down. That is, he had registered them and enrolled them in the list of the 70 who would be summoned to the tabernacle according to God's instruction. But, verse 26 says, they went not out unto the tabernacle and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. Now we might wonder why these two men stayed in the camp. The text simply doesn't tell us, and so interpreters have come up with all sorts of explanations. Some cast Eldad and Medad in a very bad light, saying, here we see again the rebellious spirit of the Israelites, in that these two men, even though they were summoned by Moses at the command of God, refused to come. However, that doesn't seem like the best interpretation of the text, given the fact that the text presents Eldad and Medad in a positive light. 
although we can't say for sure, a likelier explanation is that these two men, in their humility, felt insufficient for the task and the office to which they were called, and shrank from taking on that burden. And so much like Saul, who hid himself among the stuff in an attempt to escape being crowned king, very easily we could see Eldad and Medad staying back in the camp in an attempt to escape the high office to which they were called. Now we can't entirely give our approval to those actions. Nonetheless, the text does not present them as being stiff-necked and rebellious. But that's not really the point to see here. The point that should strike us is, whether they were there at the tabernacle or back in the camp, there was no escape from the Spirit. God, who took the Spirit He had placed upon Moses, put that Spirit upon the 70. The 68 who took heed to the summons and were standing around the tabernacle, as well as Eldad and Medad, wherever they were in the camp, perhaps hiding in their tents. And such was the power and the effect of this placement of the Spirit upon them that Eldad and Medad come out of their tents. Like a pot boiling over, they cannot contain the Word of God. And they go through the camp of Israel, speaking, prophesying. We may wonder what they were saying. What they were prophesying. Undoubtedly they were speaking of the wonderful words and works of God. Perhaps they were addressing the needs of the people. Rebuking the complainers who were sitting in the door of their tents. Weeping about the fact that they had no meat to eat. Eldad and Medad go through the camp. Prophesying. Bringing the word of God. Empowered by the spirit. Who is placed upon them. Just as much as the 68 in the tabernacle, the Spirit could not be limited, could not be thwarted. We see something of the irresistibility of the Spirit of God. And so this is reported to Moses. A young man comes running. Now, before we get to Moses' reply, let's... Notice how Joshua responds in verse 28. Joshua is standing there with Moses. In verse 28, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Enviest thou for my sake? When this young man comes running to Moses, Joshua standing there, and this young man with excitement reports what is happening back in the camp of Israel, Joshua is immediately concerned. And Moses perceives why. Joshua has a zeal for Moses' position. Moses is the leader. And because Moses had been leading this rebellious people throughout the wilderness for a long time now, and had to deal with their complaints, had to deal with their questioning of his authority, Joshua quickly arises to Moses' defense. He sees the actions of Eldad and Medad as being unauthorized, as being improper, even a threat to Moses' leadership and authority among the Israelites. Joshua was jealous for Moses' position 
and authority. He wanted to protect it. And while we can see something that's definitely honorable there in Joshua's response to the report of this young man, Joshua misjudges the situation. And Moses gently corrects him. And in that, there's some application for us. We see Moses' meekness here. Moses was a meek man, the scriptures tell us. The meekest of all men. Not proud. He's not threatened. By Eldad and Medad going through the camp, prophesying, bringing the word of God. As if that somehow is a challenge to his position, to his authority. Instead, Moses is grateful and thankful for the work of God. By his spirit. In the 68 in the temple courtyard. As well as the two in the camp. So ought we to be meek. When we see God at work by His Spirit through a fellow member of the church, so easy it is to resent that, to feel threatened. When God is using another person in a powerful way, there's a danger for office bearers, for ministers. We must not be first concerned with our own positions, our own influence, but rejoice whenever we see God work by His Spirit for the upbuilding of the church, no matter who He works through. No matter who He uses to bring His Word to you. A fellow church member comes to you Because they have a concern. And so easy our first response is. How dare he? How dare she? Speak to me that way. Point out that in my life. He has this going on in his life. She's guilty of that sin. That's not the spirit we see here in Moses. Meekness. Let that meekness prevail among us as well. When the spirit works. Causes that word to come to us. Whether it's from the pulpit. Or whether it's from a fellow believer in the pew right next to me. Let us be grateful for that word. That word of comfort, encouragement. And that word of rebuke as well when we need it. See past the person who's just the mouthpiece. To the spirit who is bringing that word. and Applying it to you at this time when you need it. But now, this is what draws from Moses' heart that longing prayer. The Spirit placed upon the 68, and now this report of what's going on in the camp, the prophesying of Eldad and Medad, the last part of verse 29, after Moses gently corrects Joshua, he says from the heart, Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, And that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. In what's going on around him, Moses catches a glimpse of God's greater plan for His people. It's like a ray of sunlight piercing through the clouds. And Moses' heart yearns for it. That day, 
When the Spirit that God had placed upon him to equip and qualify him for his work, and that Spirit which God had placed upon the seventy now, and upon Eldad and Medad, would be a Spirit that God would place upon all of his people. Every member of the covenant community, every elect believer, that is what he yearns for. And he prays for it. A petition erupts from his heart for that day to come. When that which had been so limited in the Old Testament would become the common possession of all God's saints. From this prayer of Moses onward, throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we see a building expectation for an outpouring of the Spirit. Perhaps your mind goes to Joel chapter 2, which contains one of the clearest prophecies of Pentecost, where God says that He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, young and old, male and female, pour out His Spirit upon them all, and they will prophesy. An ancient, heartfelt prayer for Pentecost. And that leads to the fulfillment. Moses' prayer would be answered. Centuries later, there's an application on the side for us. Sometimes, God doesn't answer our prayers right away. He might not even answer them in our lifetime. That doesn't mean He doesn't answer them. Look at this prayer. It would be answered centuries later. And answered in a way so wonderful, Moses scarcely could have imagined it. Pentecost Sunday was the answer to this ancient prayer. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And for a moment, read together what took place on Pentecost Sunday. And here I want to draw a few connecting points so that we can see how the foreshadowing in Numbers 11, this history that we've looked at, the occasion leading up to Moses' heartfelt prayer, that there are numerous connections with the familiar history of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So we'll read together verses 1 through 11 of Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, 
we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. There is a connection even in the circumstances. In Numbers 11, you have the Old Testament church in a sorry state, grumbling and complaining over the bread from heaven. Pentecost Sunday, you have the Jewish nation at the height of ingratitude, had rejected the bread of life, Christ Jesus, who had been sent. And yet in both cases, we see the tremendous mercy of God. Though there would be chastisement, and though there would be judgment upon the wicked, God in His mercy and in His patience, sends forth His Spirit, so that by the power of the Spirit, the Word might be brought to turn His people in faith and in repentance. In Numbers 11, God sends His Spirit forth from His tabernacle. God comes down in His cloud of glory and He takes the Spirit that was upon Moses and He puts it upon the seventy who are gathered there in the temple courtyard. On Pentecost Sunday, the twelve disciples, the 120 disciples, or the 120 that were with the twelve disciples, are gathered there in the upper room and there is a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and the Spirit is poured out upon them. And then this, most crucial of connections. In the Old Testament, Moses is a type of Christ. He's the mediator between Israel and their God. Numbers 11 verse 2, you, you see that as Moses prays for the people. And God quenches the fire that was consuming some of the people in the uttermost parts of the camp. There you see Moses as the mediator. Moses is the one to whom God had given his spirit. Now in the history in Numbers 11, what happens? The spirit that was given to Moses, God takes from Moses and sets it upon the 70. And that foreshadows what happens at Pentecost. Jesus is the mediator of the covenant. Who having conquered sin and death rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And as Acts 2 verse 33 says, He received the gift of the Spirit. And it is through Christ, the mediator of the covenant, that the Spirit is then poured out upon the church as the Spirit of Christ. The 70 received the Spirit from God through Moses. The 120 received the Spirit of the living Christ through Christ the Mediator. And then the effect. The effect of God taking the Spirit He had placed upon Moses and placing that Spirit upon the seventy was that they prophesied. What happened on Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit? They prophesied. Not just the disciples, but the 120. They spoke in tongues, real human languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance, as verse 11 tells us, speaking of the wonderful works of God. An ancient prayer 
fulfilled Pentecost. Fulfilled. Fulfilled. That's why it's so much better in the New Testament. The Spirit was not placed upon the 120. Not even this, that the Spirit took a settled abode upon the 120. But the Spirit fills them all. That's verse 4 of Acts 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What did Moses pray? What did he yearn for back in Numbers 11? This, would that all the Lord's people were prophets. Acts 2, the Spirit fills them all. And How wonderful that word all is. It means all. All God's people. It's a Catholic all. And you'll see that as you read on and through the book of Acts. The ripple effects of the outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out on the 120 and it sends forth ripples into Judea. Into Samaria where in Acts 8 you read of Peter and John coming. And the Spirit is given to the Samaritan believers. And then you get to Acts 10. And Peter goes to preach to the Gentile Cornelius and to his family. And after they have heard the word, the Spirit comes upon them. And Cornelius and his family speaks in tongues the wonderful works of God. The ripple effects of the outpouring of the Spirit. The ripples that come all the way to you and me today. That we have the Spirit. Our prophets can prophesy, know the word, understand the word, bring the word, live by the word, edify one another in the body of Christ with the word. You can do that, beloved. Don't feel insufficient for that. You're not in the Old Testament anymore. This is the New Testament. The Spirit has been poured out. And you have the Spirit in richer measure than those 70 elders did. In richer measure even than Moses did. Back in the time of the church's infancy. We have been brought to spiritual adulthood. And so beloved as we celebrate Pentecost today. Let us give thanks and glory to our God. To the victorious Christ who has given us so great a gift as his spirit. Let us not take it for granted. Let us live In the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Be in the Word. Empowered by the Spirit. To prophesy. Bring that Word. For one another's edification. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word in the Scriptures which is rich. How many and how marvelous are the connections, the threads woven throughout the entire Bible. We thank Thee for the fulfillment of Moses' ancient prayer. That according to Thy good plan and purpose, Thou hast poured out Thy Spirit upon all Thy people. So that we are now temples of the Holy Spirit.
by him enabled to understand thy word, by him given living faith, equip us to be thy witnesses in this world, that the ripples of Pentecost may continue to flow outward, reaching the lost, so that all those whom thou hast ordained to eternal life may be brought into the sheepfold of Jesus Christ. For his sake we ask these things. Amen.